Hi, this is Josh Jackson from WRTI. Dangerous Sounds is supported by Jazz Denmark, the Danish Ministry of Culture, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, the Danish Arts Foundation, the Augustinus Foundation, and the members of WRTI. The following episode of Dangerous Sounds contains descriptions of illegal drug use and language that some listeners may find objectionable. The air trembles in anticipation as several thousand people are crammed together in one of Copenhagen's premier sports arenas, the KB Hall. The crowd is giddy and almost on edge as they pass large draft beers from row to row. Passers-by outside the stadium would be excused for assuming there was a World Cup final happening inside. But tonight, it's a musician that's brought them there and the audience chants one name together in rhythm. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. It doesn't get any bigger than this. Jimi Hendrix is in Copenhagen. The king of the most dangerous sounds of the time. This is 1970, and jazz is not the music of this new generation. It's rock and roll. And right now, they want Jimmy. Bo, a young guy with long hair, struts around backstage. He can't quite figure out what to do with himself. He sits down, gets up again, lights a joint, puts it out, and fiddles with his drumsticks on his thigh. He got his first drum kit just a few years ago, and now he's opening for Jimi Hendrix. What happened? And how? The youth movement happened. The love revolution happened. And Blue Sun happened. The rest of the band joins him backstage, and in a whirlwind, they whisk him out in front of the audience, abuzz with excitement. Bo lands behind his drums. The pianist, Jan, plays a note on the keys and they begin to tune their instruments. The tuning note becomes a tuning drone and rings on and on. They let it grow, longer and louder, into a seemingly eternal place of sound that floats along the walls, all the way to the back of the auditorium. Bo enters on the drums, and together, the band slips into an Indian raga, followed by a rocking groove. And don't let go until they and the crowd are all deeply entranced. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Dangerous Sounds. In this episode, we'll investigate a revolutionary period in Danish jazz. If we are attacked by nuclear weapons, these we have a Cold War, a youth uprising, sanity and social responsibility well forgotten, and cameos by some of the wildest personalities in the history of jazz and rock and roll. What's not to like? You'll meet a young man and a young woman who help shape the new sound of Danish jazz in their own ways. 
both at home and around the world. Let me introduce you to drummer Bo Jacobsen, who, with the band Blue Sun, picks up the torch from jazz and takes Danish music into a new era, where the lines between rock, jazz and beat music blur and disappear. And meet saxophonist Lotte Anker, who sets improvisational music free in new directions and brings Danish jazz onto the global scene. Uh, she has a huge reputation, and she had to fight for it, like all the other women musicians I know. Change is in the air, all around the world, and of course, in jazz. Our story begins with a young boy named Bo Jacobsen. He's a child of the post-war era and grows up in downtown Copenhagen on the fourth floor of a run-down building with a communal bathroom down in the courtyard. But the family moves to the suburbs during the economic recovery of the 1950s. His father is strict, to say the least. My father was My father was raised with a set of moral values you could call duty, duty, duty. But the winds of change begin to blow in Bo's quiet new neighborhood, and he discovers jazz music as a teenager. He listens to records and even goes to concerts with Dizzy Gillespie. and John Coltrane. He played for an hour without stopping. He didn't say a word to the audience, didn't stop to introduce tunes or the band or anything. Hearing Coltrane perform live does something to him. It changes him. I had never heard anything like that. It shook me. But Bo isn't quite ready to explore those sounds just yet. First, he does a stint in the Danish military. Immediately after he's discharged, he buys a drum kit with the money he made during his time in service. And just like that, Bo's adventure on drums and in music has begun. I didn't know anything. Bo Jacobsen the curious and inspired drum student plays along with his favorite albums and begins to internalize the music he's fascinated by. I den grad Miles Davis kind of blue or milestones or At the following year in the summer of 1969 something truly groundbreaking happens for Bo at a jazz camp. I was in an ensemble called Moderate slash Mainstream Modern Jazz. The first ensemble he's assigned to isn't exactly what he was hoping for, so he leaves, walking up and down hallways, listening to the other groups, until he finally finds his way into a room with some musicians who are playing something different. 
Så pludselig så endte jeg nede i... Finally I get to the avant-garde jazz ensemble in the last room. And as it turns out, that was exactly the right place for me. Bo meets two musicians who will change his life. Nina Persister, det var læreren, det var Paul Ehlers. One of the bass players was Paul Ehlers. Paul Ehlers is an incredible bassist, and known by Danish musicians as the general from Aarhus. And one of the saxophone players was Jesper Søjden. There's also an 18-year-old saxophonist in the group, a tenor player named Jesper Søjden. Jesper already has a strong voice on his instrument and a clear vision of the music he wants to create. Bo sits down behind the drums and they start playing. A full hour goes by before anyone puts their instruments down or says a word to each other. When they finally reach a natural stopping point, Paul Ehlers and Jesper Søjden approach the young drummer. Bo, har du lyst til at spille med os? Would you like to play with us? Jeg tror du, jeg havde det. And just like that, the band Blue Sun is born. From here, they'll go on to make history together. But before we go any further, let's zoom out for a moment and take a look at what's happening around the world. 1969. The Vietnam War is raging. That's one small step for man. The first human has ever set foot on the moon. Jumbo jets fly people from one side of the earth to the other. And in Denmark, people are watching it on their small black and white television sets. Everything's moving and changing so quickly. Also the music. Miles Davis, who sounded like this not long ago, is suddenly making music like this. sounds are new, extreme and divisive. No one's ever heard anything like this before. After the jazz camp, Bo and Paul and Jesper start playing together in a band they call Blue Sun. <laughs> it was no secret that I was a beginner on drums. But I had something, something else. The trio begins to add musicians and soon becomes a quartet, then a quintet, and eventually ends up as a seven-piece band featuring Bo on drums, Paul Ehlers on bass, Jan Kaspersen on piano, Nils Pontopidan on guitar, Jesper Søjden and Søren Berggren on saxophones and flutes, and American vocalist and percussionist Dale Smith. These young, like-minded risk-takers have no idea what's just around the corner. 
Word travels quickly of a band in the suburbs of Copenhagen, a band playing with a sound no one's ever heard before. They combined sounds from free jazz and rock with a melodic language reminiscent of traditional Danish folk songs. There was also an interest in spiritual music from Asia, including ragas and meditations. Some of their songs can go on for half and full hours as they take their newly liberated audiences on musical journeys. Miles Davis is doing something similar at this time, playing long, uninterrupted pieces at his concerts. But it's important to point out here that the music of Blue Sun, although taking inspiration from many different sources, is distinctly Danish and something that could only have been created in Denmark. At this point, things really take off for Blue Sun. It's only been a few months since they met at a jazz camp, and they're already playing real concerts together. They play at the Montmartre Jazz Club in Copenhagen. Yes, that Montmartre. The legendary place where so many epic moments in musical history have taken place. Some of which are thankfully documented and put on record. They perform with the legendary pianist and composer Abdullah Ibrahim, which is no small thing. At this point, Blue Sun hasn't even been together for a full year yet. And then something huge happens. August of 1970. Jimi Hendrix is coming to Denmark. One day they tell us. Oh yeah, for Aston we skip. By the way, you have to open for Hendrix on Saturday. And Blue Sun is gonna open for him. Whoops. <laughs> it's difficult to describe how big Jimi Hendrix was at this moment in time, but of course I have to try. He's the chosen one. The shaman of rock and roll, one of the main architects of the sound that captures the spirit of the late 60s, and he completely reinvents the guitar. There's a before and an after Jimi Hendrix. His influence is gargantuan. I couldn't think. I could only feel. I felt that I had arrived at something huge. The whole hall feels like it's floating. The anticipatory tension in the audience erupts in a collective release as Nils hits the first note on his Les Paul and the amplifier spews fire, like the afterburner on a rocket headed for space. It 
feels like the whole arena left the Earth's atmosphere and is floating along gently in the outer realm. Bo takes it all in from behind the drums, setting his gaze upon each of the others on stage. Jesper, Paul, Jan, Niels, and Soren. We can't stop now. It's not ready to stop flying yet, he thinks. What's happening tonight is special and completely different than when they opened for T-Rex, Fleetwood Mac, or Prokel Horam. Tonight, the arena is going crazy like never before. The last song fades out, and Dale, the lead singer, exits the stage with the rest of the band, arms raised above their heads in V signs. They float out into the backstage area they share with Billy Cox and Mitch Mitchell, the bassist and drummer in Jimi Hendrix's trio. How will they ever get their feet back on the ground after this? Mitch Mitchell sits down next to Bo and pats him on the shoulder, as if the night couldn't get any wilder. A moment ago, we took the arena to outer space. And now my drum hero is literally patting me on the back, he thinks. A drug dealer enters the room. Mitch scores a bag of heroin, and while the drummers talk, he dissolves the dope into some fluid on a spoon, pulls it up into a syringe, and shoots it into his arm. The energy of the evening alternates between waves of euphoria and maniacal lunacy. There are people everywhere now, including out in the hallway between Jimmy's green room and their own. Journalists, celebrities, and hangarounds. They're all there, soaking up every ounce of available vibe. The door to Jimmy's room opens. Bo is right there in front and can almost touch him. Jimi Hendrix goes on stage. This is death music, someone says to Bo, while Hendrix shoots musical lightning from the stage. Opening for Jimi Hendrix is the pinnacle of Blue Sun's career. The young musicians in the band are shell-shocked after the concert. I don't remember what I ate or where I lived. It was all just music. 
I was completely blown out of the water. Jimi Hendrix's experience is over. The acid rock musician died today. Jimi Hendrix dies just three weeks after his concert in Copenhagen. Hendrix flailed his <clears throat> electric guitar into some of the most unusual sounds of an unusual music. As a door in, in shock. It was shocking news to me. Blue Sun is going through a rough period. The musicians just can't seem to agree on what direction to take the music in. By the spring of 1971, the band has broken up and the musicians are scattered in all directions. An intense and historic year and a half of rock and roll adventure is over. Bo becomes a taxi driver in Copenhagen to make ends meet. But nothing can keep him away from music. And before long, new projects are in the works. The same goes for the other musicians in Blue Sun. Several of them will go on to become leading voices in Danish jazz with careers that overlap with our other main character, Lotte Anker. Let's jump ahead a bit to the early 1980s. Copenhagen teeters on the brink of bankruptcy. The fear of nuclear war hangs in the air and the unemployment rate has never been higher. But something special is happening at the loft of an old building in Copenhagen. Great saxophonist John Tikai is in town. You'll hear more about him in the next episode. Right now in our story, he's gathering artists and musicians to meet and play together in his loft. Everyone from opera singers to up-and-coming jazz musicians and performance artists. Today, a young girl who plays classical piano and a bit of guitar and flute joins the creative cluster. Her name is Lotte Anker. I get up there and step into that world and realize that anything can actually happen. There might be a dance performance and various objects might come into play. A ball rolling across the floor, something like that. So we were never stuck in our instruments. Lotte has never played the saxophone before, but that day, up in Tikai's loft, she holds one for the very first time and puts air through it. When she hears and feels its sound, a whole new world opens up for her. I could feel how much sound that little piece of metal could actually make. So Lotte starts playing the saxophone. She listens to masters of the instrument like Onet Coleman, Wayne Shorter. And of course John Coltrane. 
and whenever John Tika is in town, she meets up with him and the other artists at the loft. But one night she knocks on a door on the wrong floor, and instead of John Tikai, a woman with big brown eyes opens the door, and behind her Lotte sees a collection of drums and gongs spread out across the room. Marilyn Masur lived there. She had her whole setup with drums and percussion and everything. Marilyn Masur. Denmark's internationally respected super percussionist, dancer and composer, who will end up on tour with Miles Davis and later Wayne Shorter, lives in the same building. And she's doing something totally unique at that moment in time. She's formed and leads one of the most experimental jazz groups Denmark has ever seen. The Premi Bay. Primi Band was based on the body, the voices, movement and rhythm. This is Marilyn Masur, the creator of the Primi Band and one of Lotte's musical idols at the time. I was so shy and I said, I think your band is very interesting. If you ever need a saxophone player, then I would like to join. And it was all women. We got a whole lot of reassurance when we played together. And it was not about being strong soloists or strong instrumentalists, but that we had strong energy together. Soft light shines through the large open windows in the back house on the Esplanade in Copenhagen. It's 1983, and ten women sit in a circle on the floor in the middle of the room. The sun flickers in their hair and in the small white porcelain bowls in front of them. The women are on their knees and fill the bowls with various amounts of water so that each is tuned to a different pitch. They hum a bit of a melody. A collection of strange instruments surrounds them. Gongs of all sizes, Indian tablas in strong, solid colors marimbas, bells, bamboo flutes, and a large African dun-dun drum. They call it the mother drum. Each of the women makes eye contact with the others. The ritual can begin. Each takes a set of finely carved bamboo sticks and begins to play short rhythmic figures, which they repeat again and again in the small bowls. The frequencies put the water into motion, and the liquid that was previously motionless and smooth becomes vibrant surf. The rhythms 
wind in and out of each other, forming fascinating patterns. Two of the women get up and start moving back and forth, closer, then farther away from each other in a slow dance. The movements don't accompany the music, but are part of it. The group of women calls itself the Premi Band, and they can play on the bowls for hours. We paint moods with music and explore the female experience. They are Denmark's first experimental women's band. The women of the Primi band combine stage performance, song and dance with Nordic sounds and rhythms from India and Africa. They listen to American minimalists like Steve Reich and Philip Glass. They listen to Miles Davis. And they listen to Sun Ra. The poet, philosopher, mystic and futurist traditionalist. A man I could go on about until the end of time. Let's stick to our story. Lotte joins the Primi Band and for the first time experiences true improvisational freedom. Og det med at improvisere havde altid været et mysterium for mig. Improvising had always been a mystery to me. When I was a teenager, I thought that some people were just naturally born to do it. Men pludselig kunne jeg mærke suddenly I could feel that improvising freely without sheet music and traditional forms could be done, and that I could shape it myself. It was a huge revelation. It was like a door opened for me, and I could feel that I wanted to be there, in the freedom, forever. While Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher ruled the world with iron fists, the winds of change are once again blowing around the world, and in November of 1989, the fall of the Berlin Wall becomes a symbol of the end of the Cold War. At the time, the Danish jazz scene is divided into two main directions. Those dedicated to the neo-traditionalism approach spearheaded by Winston Marsalis in the States, and those who are submerged in a kind of second-generation melodic fusion. From the first group, we have the members of the band Page One, who wear nice suits and play it cool in the spotlight. There were many bands playing melodic fusion, and the Embo Larsen Quintet was one of them. But Lotte Anker doesn't want to conform to a particular style or trend, so she delves deeper into free jazz and improvisational music. 
I decided to break away from certain types of more straight-ahead jazz. Straight-ahead jazz. I could just feel that it wasn't my thing. Practicing standards and playing fast over a lot of chords. But the thing called free jazz and that tradition, that I could be myself in. It was my music. It had always been there, all the way back to my first sessions with John Tikai. That's where my heart is, and has always been. Lotte finds herself pulled towards jazz music that's not required to swing in a certain way. She appreciates music that allows her room to find her own style, her own tone, and her own voice. And then in 1991, something pivotal happens. Lotte plays in a groundbreaking trio. One that will open the door to the international jazz scene for her and the other members of the trio. I have always seen jazz as an explosion. That's the voice of Hesse Poulsen, the guitarist in the trio with Lotte. Like a flame-like scream, like a love song. This is how Hesse hears jazz. He insists on being avant-garde in Denmark during a time when it's not popular. In fact, for a while, it will just make things more difficult. The third member of Lotte's trio is visionary electric bassist Peter Fries Nielsen, who has created seismic shifts in what his instrument can do. A completely original voice on the electric bass. It was very intense. We really wanted something together. And it seems to me that the important thing for Lotte was to break with what she'd been practicing for so long. The modern jazz. That means breaking with the dependence on chords and swing. So instead of being about the relation between notes like then she would use some completely other techniques like spitting into the mouthpiece of the sax or distorted. So it becomes screams, use extreme techniques, close the keys halfway or play several keys at a time so you get a completely different sound. But audiences aren't so enthusiastic about the trio's new sound. During one concert, people even throw tomatoes at them on stage. Reviewers aren't too hot on them either. And without support from crowds or critics, it's hard to get gigs. Luckily for the trio, avant-garde art needs no applause. They stubbornly stick to and double down on the music they believe in, their music. 
They start their own record label and release the album Infinite Blueness. Denmark is still a bit too small for this music. So throughout the 90s, Lotte and her trio play abroad more and more often. First in Sweden, then the rest of Scandinavia, then Paris, then New York, where things really take off for Lotte. She starts playing with two incredible American musicians and improvisers, the ingenious drummer Gerald Cleaver and the brilliant pianist Craig Taborn. Together in a new trio, they tour the world. Lotte feels completely understood and heard in this setting. A historic example of improvisers coming together and revolutionary sparks flying from the first encounter. Lotte's collaborations with international stars don't end here. You know, I play with lots of saxophone players, lots of big names over the years. In the late 2000s, she meets the British improvising legend Fred Frith, a musician who's been infinitely creative on guitar since his time in the cult group Henry Cow in the 70s. And I find that I feel very, very comfortable playing with Lotte. I feel like we can go anywhere, it's never the same, that it's not, um, we're not locked into a particular kind of vocabulary, that she's very adaptable, very open to different situations, and that feels to me like coming home. It feels like uh, not being bulldozed into one direction or another, but that anything can actually happen and does. Lotte also begins composing. She establishes her own group called What River, with among others Fritz Frith on guitar. She writes music that combines improvisational jazz elements with electronic and classical music, actively challenging what jazz can do again. And through it all, she finds and cultivates her own unique sound. For me, she has, uh, it's, it feels like, um, it's kind of liquid, it's like water, it, and, it, and it can be very forceful water, like a waterfall, or it can be gentle water, like a stream, but she has that quality of flow, which is really, I find, really touching, and um, kind of brings you in and takes you along, so that's what I like about her, her sound. The saxophone, which is often thought of as the quintessential instrument in jazz music, is led away from the typical jazz sound and into something different and difficult to describe, using words at least.
Lotte Anker has been a guiding force in Danish improvisational jazz, as well as a role model, prophet, hero, and resource for the following generations of professional saxophonists in Denmark, which happens to include several strong women. The first time I heard the name Lotte Anger was at the Danish Rhythmic Music Conservatory, where my brother was studying. One of the young female saxophonists who's been mentored by Lotte is Maria Dubro. Me and my brother were eating some food, and next to me sat the American pianist Butch Lacey. He asked me what kind of music I listened to, and I said Charlie Parker, Stan Getz, and so on. Then he looked at me and said, you shouldn't listen to all that old stuff. You need to listen to something happening now. You need to listen to Lotte Anger. You need to listen to Lotte Anger. This was the story of how the winds of change shook the world and Danish jazz. In the next episode, we'll hear about two phone calls that will alter the course of Danish jazz history. The first phone call is from John Coltrane, calling Danish saxophonist John Tikai. Hello, John. Hi. The second phone call is from Miles Davis, calling Danish trumpeter Pelle Mikkelborg. You hear me? Yeah. My name is Kristen Osgood. Dangerous Sounds is produced by Mano Mano and distributed by WRTI Philadelphia. Kristen Osgood is the host with narrator Joan as policewoman. Special thanks to Eva Frost at Jazz Denmark, project managers Sue Edwards and Josh Jackson from WRTI. Learn more about our mission to champion music as a vital cultural resource. Visit WRTI.org.